The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Hi, church family. Today I'm be reading Psalm 3, 1 through 8. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many rise against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation in him and God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and lifter of my head. I cried out loud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord has sustained me. I will not be afraid of my thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You blessed beyond your people. Dear Jesus, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for us being here together, even though we can't uh, be with each other in person. We can still see each other, and we're all connected in the spirit. Please help us with this hard times. Please help us to be forgiving and Treat us the way we want to be treated and make sure we're still following the Ten Commandments. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I just want to say as we begin today, uh, I am so uh, just thankful for all of you um, that are just being flexible during this time. I know it's not easy, right? There's a lot of change happening uh, pretty rapidly in our lives, Uh, but just many of you who are online, maybe for the first time joining in for a live stream service, I just want to say thank you for your flexibility, and I'm just grateful to be able to be all together uh, worshiping Jesus and being able to get around his word. And so uh, we are in the middle right now of starting a new series. Uh, This is Praying Through the Psalms, and today our text is from Psalm 3, 1 through 8. And here's the message, praying through fears and anxieties, praying through fears and anxieties. Uh, Now, you might be asking, why are we going through the Psalms? Um, And Dietrich Bonhoeffer gives us a helpful quote when it comes to the reason why the Psalms are so important. He says, the Psalter is the prayer book of Jesus Christ in the truest sense of the word. He prayed the Psalter and now it has become his prayer For all time, those who pray the Psalms are going in with the prayer of Jesus Christ. Their prayer reaches the ears of God. Now, just as I said earlier, not all of us uh, are in the same situation, right? It's difficult. I I heard an illustration this week from a friend. It's, It's like we're all in the same storm, but yet we're in different boats. And what we see is there's a continuity and a a consistency that we need from the book of Psalms. And so we are going to be studying through the Psalms because it helps us to take our attention off the storm and place it on Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be doing through the book of Psalms. Now, I want to start with this. How do you approach prayer? Because we're talking about this, praying through the Psalms, right? And so how do you approach prayer? Well, in 2012, Laura Gottlieb wrote an article for the New York Times entitled, What Brand is Your Therapist? And there's this quote from a therapist from Orange County, Casey Truffo. And here's what she said. Truffo discovered in her own former private practice of 18 years 
a shift from people who were unhappy and wanted to understand themselves better to people who would come in because they wanted someone else or something else to change. She said, I, I'd, rather, I'd see fewer and fewer people coming in and saying, I want to change. Now, before we jump into our text, let me clarify. Prayer is not coming to God as a personal therapist. Because much like what was just stated right there, we can come to God and we can say, God, change other people. Change my circumstances. And that's not what he's going to do. But instead, prayer is God coming in and examining us as he does the delicate work of heart surgery. See, God comes in and he wants to transform us from the inside out. And so the Psalms are about the heart. It's coming in, exposing the heart and God changing the heart. So as we study fear and anxiety today from Psalm 3, let me ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? For some of us, we, we might say, well, I'm, I'm okay. I, I don't struggle with fear. I'm not an anxious person. But let me tell you about someone who is. For others of us, we, we may say, well, it's just who I am. I, I'm just an anxious, anxious, fearful person. That's just who I am. I, I can't help being anxious and fearful. I'll never change. Now, why do we respond like this? Well, the Bible tells us that our hearts, because of sin, our sin, are fundamentally self-protecting, self-reliant, self-pitying, and self-deceiving. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In the middle of being quarantined with my family right now, I've got three kids, and, and here's the thing that I see more and more, is that the, the biggest issues that they face are not external issues, but really internal issues. Internal issues that they're facing, right? They're having to come to the reality of their struggles, right? And, and here's the thing, it's not just them, it's also me. It's also my wife. It's all of us in this situation. And isn't that what it's doing right now is because we're, we're in this space where we're, we're having to slow down we're starting to see more and more about how the issues that we have in our lives are really a lot of internal stuff, aren't they? And so what we can do is this. Well, we can respond in different ways because of that. And we can see that we have fears and anxieties and instead of addressing them, what we can do is we can stuff them. We can stuff them. Because even as we look at verse 7, we, we think of the anger and the raw emotion that we see in verse 7 from, from Psalm 3. And some of us who are those stuff, those feelings type of people are saying, can you even feel like that? Can you even say that? But the psalmist does. See, he's dealing with the anger and the frustration that's in his heart. Some of us stuff them, but others of us can spread them. We can jump onto social media and, and chats and in online forums and, and spread all of the fears, all of the anxieties that we have. And we can place them in front of people and think that that's the solution. And what we're seeing right now is that we live in a culture that can become very cynical. 
I was talking with a friend recently. He says that the, the, the younger 20-something generation, what he sees online and when he reads things, it's very cynical about life. And so we can spread it out there in different forums. But the Psalms encourage us to pray about them. To pray about them. And I don't say that in a way where it's like, oh yeah, just, just pray them. But, but really, like coming to God and seeking Him and openly pouring out our feelings to Him, knowing that it's okay. Knowing that it's okay to come to Him. Andrew Murray on prayer, he says this. He says, do not strive in your own strength. Cast yourself at the feet of the Lord Jesus and wait upon him in the sure confidence that he is with you and works in you. Strive in prayer. Let faith fill your heart so you will be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Today, let's cast our cells at the feet of Jesus as we process a lot of these fears and anxieties. So as I preach today, I must confess that fear and anxiety are not just theoretical concepts for me, but I have struggled with both. I remember coming to my mom when I was a young, young boy uh, before the first day of school and just having overwhelming fe- feelings of anxiety. I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't know what it was, but I talked to my mom about it and she says, it's, it's going to be okay. But I remember just that feeling and knowing that I'd struggle with social anxieties. I remember going to the ER in college and not being able to breathe because I was in such fear and anxiety and I didn't realize it at the time. I just thought something was wrong with me. But the, the doctor asked me, he says, what's going on in your life right now? I said, well, I've got, I'm about to graduate. I don't know where I'm going to work. After that, I'm going to get married soon. And he said, you're struggling with anxiety. And I never saw myself as that type of person, but I was fearful and anxious about the future. I just want to say today that I have personally struggled with these things in my life. Deep breaths, heaviness in my chest, I felt it. And so many of you today that are listening in, you can relate with that. And I just want you to know that it's okay to come to God. So for many of us, this fear and anxiety, it grows, doesn't it? Constant news updates, loss of job, state of the economy, fear of of sickness and even death. Tension headaches, heart palpitations, muscle spasms, digestive problems, ulcers. All these things have sadly become normative for our culture. Dr. Archibald Hart, um, who's a Christian, uh, he says this, he says, we are entering an extraordinary new age in medicine and health sciences. On the one hand, we are making remarkable progress in curing illnesses and prolonging life. On the other hand, we are losing the battle against a very simple but elusive problem, stress. And so how do we deal with overwhelming fear, stress, and anxiety? We come to the scriptures. We come to the scriptures. And today we will look at Psalm 3, 1 through 8, and we will break down this text. To give a little background on this scripture, it was written by David, and uh, this is the first prayer in the book of Psalms. Uh, But also, it may be a song. And so we see the word Selah throughout 
Psalm 3, which is, could have been a, a, a pause or a reflection or, or, or something that would have led to music. But where does this psalm start? Well, it starts with hardship, difficulty, challenges. See, the description tells us that David's son Absalom had instigated a palace coup against his father and that David had to flee for his life into the wilderness. It created a civil war. The son Absalom versus the father David. And it finishes with a terrible tragedy in which David loses his son and he grieves. And so what can we learn today from David's prayer in Psalm 3? Well, it gives us three layers to our fear and anxiety. It gives us, number one, the source. Number two, the root. Number three, the way out. The source, the root, the way out. And so we find the source in verses one and two. It says this, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So what's the source of David's fear and anxiety? Well, he names them in verses one and two. Number one is in verse one, it says this. He says, my foes, my foes. And so there's the danger of of physical harm, right? He's not just paranoid, but there is legitimate danger for David. Number two is found in verse two. There is no salvation for him, in God. So he has a threat of physical harm, but he also has his identity that's being challenged. See, this is specifically about his kingship. See, it's not just attacking his body, but this is about attacking his calling, his character. See, at the time, people were saying this. Look at the terrible things that are happening to David. He deserves it. He committed adultery, murder. How could God be with David after all the things that he's done? You see, the the, the thoughts of David in, in his life, he must have been thinking back to his experiences with Saul. Remember, Saul was a king. But Saul had departed from God's way. And Saul took matters into his own hands, and his life into his own hands. And he was a paranoid leader. Very dark side to Saul. And when his identity was being challenged, he did everything he could to fight for it. And David, now, his identity is being challenged as king. Psychologist Rollo May said something interesting. He says, anxiety is when our very existence is threatened. Our very existence is threatened. See, this is from a psychologist's perspective, but I think it's helpful for us to understand what David's going through because there is a sense of self in David that is being threatened here. It's being threatened. And through prayer, David begins to uncover the source of his fear. See, for many of us, we are in a constant state of irritability, anxiousness, fear, emergency, And we don't know what's causing it because we haven't slowed down enough to pray and to to really sort through some of it. And what it can do is it can debilitate us. It can paralyze us. 
See, the results are, it just starts to eat away at our bodies. It starts to eat us away. Right, we're in a constant state of eustress and de-stress. It's where that, that adrenaline is just going all the time. And this text encourages us this, to come to God. Come to God. Uh, allow him to start to sort through the junk that's in here and, and start to reveal the source of, of why we're experiencing what we are. See, through bringing everything before God, David finds out his fear and anxiety was attached to something much deeper. So what was it? Well, the second point is the root. In verse 3, he says this, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. And so let's break this down. First, David says this, But you, O Lord. First, David is confessing that God is the one that's uncovering the source and the root of his biggest problems. He's uncovering something that's deep down in his life that he's been believing that isn't true, that he's been trusting in that wasn't God. Right, I think one of the things that we can take in, in, in this time right now is, is slowing down to say, okay, what are some of the things that are, I'm trusting in that aren't God? Because as we're living right now in quarantine, a lot of what we trust in just gets stripped away, doesn't it? I had a friend tell me, he said, what, what is it that you're warming your hands at the fire of that's not the gospel? And so we can do that same thing in our lives, and David is starting to uncover what that is, and God is the one that's pointing it out. God personally has a relationship with us and points these things out. And so he's coming to David, pointing it out. And number one is this. He says, you are a shield about me. Now, this is a certain type of shield. Um, it's, it's not just a small shield that he's talking about here, but it's one, it's one of the big protective shields that God is that for him. Now, we must understand that God's shield of protection is a shield that will at, at times... Lead us into danger. Lead us into places that we wouldn't have gone naturally. And so David is out there right now in a place where he feels really uncertain and really uncomfortable. And this is a shield that only works when you walk forward, when you obey. See, this protection only comes by moving forward and trusting God. Now, God allows this because he wants to protect you. And this may be through a smaller pain because he knows that there could be a bigger pain down the road. If, 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 if we don't trust him, if, if we don't lean on him, if we don't come back to his protection, there could be more difficult, greater pain down the road. God is a loving father who comes in and says, I'm the one who protects you. I'm the one who shields you. But secondly, it's this. He says, my glory. Now here's what David is, is doing. He is relocating where he's finding his glory. Where, where he's finding the, the place where he, he finds that sense of fulfillment, his identity. See, what, what makes him feel worthwhile and valuable? Because what this is, is this is the root of his anxiety. That thing that he was putting his trust in before was being attacked. 
And so he's praying, saying, hold on, I was putting my trust in something that wasn't worth putting trust in. That will be stripped away, but what will never be stripped away? My glory is God. Because next, verse, the, the next part of the verse, he says, but you, God, are my glory. See, God is, or David is confessing that his glory was looking to something else other than God for his glory, for his worth. He's finding his security in something that wasn't God. See, it could have been this. It could have been being a good leader, being a good parent, his title is king, his material possessions, all these things now, he's out there running for his life. All those things are gone. And the same thing could be said of us, right? Will we trust God as all these things are stripped away? See, what he's finding is that none of those things can be his glory. Only God can. Next, he says, the lifter of my head. God is the lifter of our head. This past week, I was um, talking with my wife, and we were talking about just how strange it is, you know, like for her, she's teaching over Zoom, and to be able to have a classroom with her kids, but to be able to look and just say, this is my classroom. I, I, you know, there, there's a certain amount of interaction that you're get, getting from that. And she was struggling, and I told her I was struggling too. I was like, man, it's just weird, kind of just talking to a screen. And I told her, I said, you know, this week, what I did see from you is just how gifted of a teacher you really are how amazing of a person you are, how, how you care for the students. And, 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 and she looked at me, she said, really? I said, yeah. And, and what we need to know is that, that there is a voice on the outside like that all the time. Right, like we're, we're going through the struggle, these things are being stripped away, but there's a voice from the outside that's coming in. And that voice of encouragement, we need that. And what we find is that it's God who does that? Because it's this, what is the lifter of my head? Is it because I'm a hard worker? Because I just love my family really well? Is it because people like me? Being a good leader, good spouse, parent, grandparent, is that what lifts my head every day? Because a lot of those things get stripped away from us. God says, I'll be the one who lifts your head. What is it to be to, to lift your head? It's, it's like when I looked at my wife and I, I just told her that encouragement, it just brought her spirits up. It just lifted her head. And to know that God wants to do that in our lives because he is our source of glory. See, God lifts our heads even when we don't deserve it. Even when we, we, we didn't get it all right. Because if you look at David's life, you're gonna see that he didn't get it all right. What was it that lifted his head? God's grace. God's grace. God's grace comes in and lifts his head. And that brings us to the last point, the way out, verses four through eight. I, cry, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. 
I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who say set themselves or who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. See, what's the way out? What's the way out of our struggle? Simply put, it's God. Look at verse four. I cried aloud to the Lord. You can cry aloud to God. That might be through those silent moments, right? Where you're just screaming inside. Or it could be just going outside and just screaming, God, I need you. But you can come to God and passionately cry out to him like a child to a father. Verse five, lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord to sustain me. Now what we see here is that there was such an ease at being able to just cry out to the Lord that he was able to sleep. Sleep came from knowing that God had heard him. And then verse six, I will not be afraid. This is a personal conviction. See, David has made a resolution to confidently face the worst. To confidently face the worst. My wife was in a Bible study with a lady named Laura Georgia Caucus, and one of the things that she said one time I thought was very helpful, she says, anxiety is always about the future and imagining a future without God. And that is a lie because God is always with us. Fear is going to a place where God is not and there is no such place. She's right. (laughs) There's no such place. God is there. In verses seven and eight, he says, Arise, O Lord, salvation belongs to the Lord. This is showing it's the power of God. It's God's power, his might, his strength that's gonna get us out of that dark place. Derek Kinner says, verse eight recognizes that without the Lord, there is no solution or success. That is none worth having. No solution, no success. That is none worth having. Friends, today the way out is coming to God in prayer and saying, I don't have the solution. Because the conversation I had with my kids this morning, we got this little Bible time in the morning. I said, guys, the solution is not in you. It's not in your ability. It's not in your strength. It's in the Lord. Right? Because they were having a really rough day yesterday, today. And so just like struggling, right? And I looked them all in the eye. I said, hey, guys, we got to come to the Lord. We got to seek the Lord and ask him for his strength to do it. Because my son, my 10-year-old, he, he had it. He was like, Dad, how do we do it? That's it. That's the way out. And what that does is saying, it's not going to be on my strength or my ability to change myself. It's going to be in God's ability and strength to change my heart. It's not just a behavior change. It is a heart change. And I need God to change my heart. And so just some takeaways today. How do we pray our fear and anxieties? Well, Number one, in prayer, examine the source of your fear and anxiety. Are they legitimate? 
Like, are they legitimate? The things that you're thinking about right now that are just scaring you to death, right? Like, what is it? And is it legitimate? How are they in comparison to David? How are they in comparison to God's ability? Many times by questioning God, many times we stop by questioning God rather than questioning our fears. We question God, but we don't question our fears. It's through prayer that God helps us to question our fears. David had to deal with armies coming after him, the reality of death, right? And that God was big enough to help him. And so let's think, is God big enough to help me with the source of my fears and anxieties? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You know, in Genesis 15, 1, Abraham, um, at the time it was Abram, but God comes to him and says, um, I want you to keep trusting me, right? He, he sends him out to a, a land that he didn't know where he was gonna go and he's trusting God. And he's like, how, how do I know? How do I know? And you know what God tells him? Genesis 15, he says, fear not, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I am your shield. And so will you find shelter in God? Because that's what he's encouraging us to do. Examine the source of your fear. What is it? What's my anxiety about? And is God able to help me through it? Second, seek rest. In the midst of fears and anxieties, the first thing to go is usually sleep. And research tells us that abandoning sleep is the number one destroyer of effectiveness. Physically, it takes out our adrenal glands. It, it zaps our creativity. Most experts say that we should have around 8 to 11 hours of sleep. And you're like, how is that even possible, right? How is that even possible? Um, you may be saying, that's nice and all. How? I don't have all the answers for you here. But what I want to encourage you is this. I, I encourage you in is this, that Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, here's what we know. Jesus secured our rest by his work for us. Jesus secured our rest by his work for us. So you've got to really focus in on this. You've got to say, okay, what is causing me not to be able to rest internally at, when I put my head on the pillow at night? What is it? And is that big enough to, again, lay at the feet of Jesus and say, okay, your work for me is enough? Because in the culture that we live in right now, there's always something to do. There's always going to be something vying for your attention, for pulling you in one direction or another. But is the work of Jesus enough for me to sleep? So here's two ways to trust God by seeking physical rest. Number one, taking a rest day. The Bible calls it a Sabbath, okay? So taking a rest day, and this is something that you schedule on the calendar. So I'm going to schedule this. I'm going to put this on here, and I'm going to honor the Lord by resting from my work. That is coming and trusting God in this. But second, it's this. Community. Some of us have an issue with asking for help. 
for asking for help, for saying, hey, I, I'm really struggling with this. I need some help right now. And so I just want you to know that at the end of this this passage here, he says this, your blessing be on your people, your people, right? It's not just your me. This is a community of people that come together and help one another and, and the blessing be on the people. And so just know that you are not alone and that we are here for you and that it's okay to ask for help. So find rest in knowing that we're brothers and sisters and we're in this together. Third point, prioritize time with God. Praying is about pushing everything aside and looking to God first. See, many of us are living extremely distracted lives, aren't we? Taking this time of isolation, I encourage you, let it shape you spiritually. Let it shape you spiritually. Take time to distance yourself from the social media and from your phone at the start of the day and focus in on God. Focus in on God. What would it look like if we prioritize that time with God? Lastly, resolve to persevere on God's strength. Resolve to persevere on God's strength. Now, a total of 11 psalms were written about this particular situation in David's life. 11. And here's what, we need, here's what we know. David finished in a different place than where he started. He started in a really dark place. But he ended in a really good place. Because God got him there. And so I encourage you, resolve to persevere on God's strength. Not your own, God's strength. To get you to the end. See, many times we can retreat when troubles come. We stop praying, we stop worshiping, we, we stop reading the Bible. Essentially, we, we just stop living in trust in God. And so my encouragement is lean into those things because it's going to get you through. In prayer, God meets us with grace right where we're at. You know, here's the beautiful thing. In the middle of our self-protecting, self-reliance, self-pity, self-deception, he lovingly shows us the truth about ourselves and does the necessary surgery. And so let's ask, how much of David's fear and anxieties were based on this question? How do I know that God still loves me and is with me? How do I know that God still loves me and is with me? He's running in the wilderness. He's scared. See, after all of his failures, he'd murdered, he'd committed adultery, he'd failed as a parent. Right? I think there's some of us who are like, man, what did I do as a parent? You know, that, that I just feel like I've, I've messed it up. But we can look at David's life. He's, well, I've just failed as a parent. Here's where his hope come, came from. You can find it in verse five. He says, I, cry, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Now, what's on the holy hill for David? What well, was Mount Zion, the place of sacrifice for sin? That's what helped him to get through, to know that God still loved him and cared for him. 
Now, what is it for you and me that we know is on the holy hill? When we think of the holy hill today, for us, we should think this. Jesus willingly dying on the cross for our sins. See, see, David had the sacrifices on that holy hill, but we know the holy hill being Calvary where Jesus died for our sins. How do I know that God still loves me? It's that he didn't leave when he was on the cross, but he followed it all the way through. See, Jesus had to pay the debt of our guilt, failure, shame that we deserved. I deserved it. He did it for me. So that when we pray, we can know that God is with us and hears our prayers. See, it was on that holy hill of Calvary that God showed us his immense grace and that it's, a, it's sufficient for us and that he loves us through our darkest moments. And so today, will you come to him and trust him that he's enough even in the midst of our fears and anxieties? And knowing that he cares and he does hear you. And that he's ultimately paid for all the sins in our lives through the cross of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, today we can take a deep breath and know that we don't have to put our trust in our own glory. What we can do, putting our trust in the the things that are fading and passing away but we can put our trust in the living God and know that he hears our prayers and that he's with us, that he's enough. Thank you for that holy hill which Jesus died for me, for us. And I pray that if there's anyone who's struggling and doesn't know that, that they'll come to know him today. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.